say you want to sell um, some of your Bitcoin holdings at 100K, uh, that third-party risk mitigation would tell you you would go to an exchange where you're going to sell into U.S. dollars and not tether. And if you think, you know, as Bitcoin does in these bear markets, we do have these 30% corrections in these bear markets are common. So if you're thinking, I'm going to sell at 100K, get back in at 70K, in that move, you don't want to be holding USDT, as Gordon said. You want to be holding U.S. dollars or just keep doing what we always tell you to do, and that is um, dollar cost averaging. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics podcast. This is Ferris here with Gordon again, and we are... Uh, where are we today, Gordon? What is the day? I'm losing track. 9th of November. So the price of Bitcoin is 67,630 US dollars per Bitcoin. So we hit an all-time high this week. The what else do we do? The block height is 708,853. Now, I think, Gordon, this is our first episode where we are into these 700,000 plus blocks, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny how you can concentrate on the block number and I concentrate on the price. But yeah, sure. All-time <laughs> highs, 700,000. It's all good. All-time highs, block height, 700,000, guys, in case you're listening. <laughs> not Bitcoin price. We're not there yet. So, Gordon, we are going to talk about Tether today. So, firstly, um, what is Tether? Yeah, Tether is a stablecoin. So, a lot of you who have bought or seen Bitcoin on an exchange, you would have noticed the ticker symbol USDT. And you may have always wondered, what the hell is USDT? Why isn't it just USD? You may have even seen other variations of that, like USDC. TUSD, blah, blah, blah. That's what a stablecoin is. And we've actually covered stablecoins before, Faris, but um, just quickly, that's it's just a way of pegging a cryptocurrency, which is extremely volatile, um, just pegging it to the US dollar one-to-one. So for example, in Tether, USDT, one Tether is $1. So that's why we say one USDT, not just one USD. But I guess the bigger question is, Faris, and we'll get into more about Tether in a second, why would anyone want to use USDT, not just use USD? What's the purpose? Did you know we provide a help desk at bitcoinbasics.help? Do you need help buying Bitcoin on an exchange or transferring your Satoshis to a Bitcoin wallet? Perhaps you need assistance with setting up a desktop, mobile or hardware wallet. Is your security hygiene up to date? We provide individual, one-on-one support, regardless of your understanding of Bitcoin, size of investment, or level of technical ability. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. So Tether basically exists out of a necessity for traders, um, day traders in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So if you were to buy Bitcoin, um, say you would go to Binance, for example, um, where they do offer margin trading. Uh, Now, you can use your... So basically, when you're buying Bitcoin from Binance, you're buying it directly. You don't just send them the funds and they hold your funds, your fiat there, and then you decide to buy. You basically are buying ahead of time. So you buy off your credit card, you own crypto. 
So the example I'd like to use is if you buy something off of eBay um, from someone else. So if I were to purchase an item from you, I say, you know, I'm just going to buy a computer, um, computer from you. I, in essence, receive something. You receive my money and I receive something from you. You can't just hold my funds in your account because um, you're not a bank. So with Binance, it's a similar thing on other exchanges is they're giving you a product in exchange for your fiat. Now they're giving you Bitcoin. If you were to sell Bitcoin, then they can't just hold your fiat for you, your money for you. They're not a bank. That means they have to go through all this regulation. So this kind of created issues for people that want to get in and out of Bitcoin on a daily basis. So if you say, okay, Bitcoin's at an all-time high, I want to sell, but I want to get back in later today or tomorrow. Well, if you were to sell your Bitcoin, you then have to transfer that fiat to your bank account, and then you have to buy it again. Now that can take three to four days and you've missed your move. So Tether basically was, as you said, exists because you can, if you think Bitcoin's high and it's going to go down and you want to buy the dip, you would sell into um, Tether. So, and Tether is meant to keep your funds pegged to the US dollar. So you're selling now at 67,000, you think it's going to go down to 65,000, you would buy back and make that small percentage. And that's done in a matter of a couple of hours. And this Binance can do because essentially they're not holding fiat. They've just exchanged Bitcoin to a token. So it basically exists to allow traders to get in and out of their positions um, without having to go back through the legacy fiat banking system. Excellent explanation, Faris. Um, so essentially is what Faris said, and uh, Tether is basically the US dollar as a cryptocurrency. So whenever you see those trading pairs, BTC, slash USD, technically at a lot of those exchanges, it's not USD, it's BTC slash USDT. So it's actually, um, you can go in and out of BTC very easily, but you're not doing it with US dollars as far as explained, you're doing it with Teva, a cryptocurrency. So- See, and this is something, sorry, i just jump in very quickly, Gordon. So if you go to um, TradingView, and if you type in BTC USD, Bitstamp will come up because Bitstamp is unleveraged and they actually can hold fiat for you. So if you type in on um, BTC USD, the Bitstamp exchange will come up. BTC USDT, you'll see the exchanges that have Tether. So you see those differences in there. But Gordon, Tether's actually been in the news a lot lately. I mean, it's been in the news since it came into prominence. Um, but I know last month there was an announcement. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So I'll link an article in the show notes, Tether find again over whether its stablecoin was fully backed. And I'm just going to quote a few things from this article, which is very interesting. And it's interesting to people like us and people who have got Bitcoin and perhaps traded and been on exchange or whatever, you have definitely used Tether. You may have used other stablecoins, but you've definitely used Tether at some stage. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. So this article um, quotes, Tether has been hit with a $41 million fine for making untrue or misleading statements and missions over whether Tethers are fully backed by US dollars. The CFTC said that a 28-month period across 2016 to 2018 Tether only had sufficient fiat reserves to back 
issued Tether tokens 27.8% of the time. Is that a problem, Faris? So I had a look at the official article um, from the government issued website and look, 41 million might sound like a lot of money, but when you look at banking fines, it is dismal compared to what banks in America have been fined. So looking through some kind of reading between the lines, it was not very scary um, because a lot of the um, FUD around Tether is that essentially they're just going to, they're printing, excuse me, they're printing more than exists. So the way Tether has promoted themselves is that they will only issue one Tether for every dollar that comes in. So if they have to liquidate their positions, they've got that cash that can basically, or Bitcoin equivalent that can basically be paid out. Um, so reading here, it says, well, they didn't actually have it for the entire period. It wasn't that they had only 27% of what they claimed to have. They only held it 27% of the time. Now, there's a common banking practice in the US, especially on Wall Street, the repo market, because at the end of the month, banks in America um, are only allowed to basically have a certain percentage um, of risk in the market. So they need to have an I should have researched the numbers before and I don't remember them off the top of my head, but let's say 20% cash um, or 20% VAR. So they basically are not allowed to trade more than that. So what they do is say, okay, tomorrow is the last day of the month or the, la the day that we're reporting and we're low. We actually need cash. So they'll call the another bank and say, we just need to borrow $50 million overnight. And they'll say, sure. And that overnight repo rate is like 8%. So, which is, you know, quadruple what you normally pay, but it's an overnight. So they'll borrow that cash. So when the government regulators check in the next day, they go, okay, you're fine. And then after they've submitted the report, they'll just pay it back with interest. So in essence, if this is what Tether's, Tether basically did not do anything that legacy banks have not been doing. Um, is my understanding. But this article did not go into that much detail, which to me is re reassuring. Yep, you can say that, I mean, it's been negative publicity for Tether since they've been around. So the fact that they they were fine, they're investigated, they're audited, and they're still stable is good news for me. Yeah, it is. And, and the next quote, uh, last piece of the article, is exactly what you're talking about, Faris. Um, uh, banks having to have a reserve of I'm not sure if it's 20%. I think nowadays it may even be lower than 20%. I'm sure Tether it is. Was, I just made that up because I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's something low. Um, Tether was pinned for not having conducted a professional audit of its holding completed and instead retained in an accounting firm to review its reserves. And Bitfinex, who is the parent company who owns Tether, transferred $382 million over before the review occurred. As of today, Tether represents that over 34 billion tethers have been issued to date. So I think as Ferris said, um, there's a lot of heat and a lot of flack towards tether. Um, and some of it is justified, but also as Ferris says as well, um, tether's probably doing the right thing in terms of um, other banks and probably doing better than other banks because they're having more scrutiny because the biggest sort of Bitcoin um, related company in the market. So uh, the fact that Tether isn't insolvent, hasn't been insolvent and is still alive 
is a good thing. And yes, um, you have to be aware that if you are leaving money on an exchange, so you sold your Bitcoin and you've got 10,000 USDT, you do not have $10,000 in your bank account. You have 10,000 tethers, a cryptocurrency. And even if the risk is small, um, there still is a risk that Bitfinex and, and Tether goes bankrupt. So as long as you're aware of that risk, and for people trading who go in and out of uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in a small time frame, it's going to be extremely unlikely that you're going to get caught. But for long-term holdings, you definitely don't want to leave USDT. You don't want to leave any cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin mm. or anything, USDT on an exchange. Yeah, that, that's a point I actually want to reiterate. It's one I was going to bring up too. But um, yeah, so you would only be holding Tether for small trades or medium-sized trades, because if something goes wrong, you don't want to be holding Tether. Um, you want to be holding Bitcoin or US dollars. Um, if something goes wrong with Tether, you can see the price of Bitcoin absolutely going up. Why? Because people want to get out of Tether and into Bitcoin, and it'll just drive up the price of Bitcoin. So you would be holding Tether if you're a trader and you're getting in and out in short terms. If, say, you know we're at 67,000 now, if, say, you want to sell... Um, some of your Bitcoin holdings at 100K, uh, that third-party risk mitigation would tell you you would go to an exchange where you're going to sell into US dollars and not Tether. And if you think, you know, as Bitcoin does in these bear markets, we do have these 30% corrections in these bear markets are common. So if you're thinking, I'm going to sell at 100K, get back in at 70K, in that move, you don't want to be holding USDT, as Gordon said. You want to be holding US dollars or just keep doing what we always tell you to do, and that is um, dollar cost averaging. Absolutely. So keep your US dollars or whatever fair currency in your bank and keep your Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in a safe custody solution like a hardware wallet. And yeah, sorry, just one, one last thing I want to mention. If you can actually check out the price of Tether against US dollars, so if you go to TradingView and you just type in USDT, USD, you'll see that the volatility for Tether has really dropped. We, I remember years ago, you used to get 10 to 20% swings in Tether, where one Tether would not be worth one US dollar, be worth 80 cents or $1.20. So it used to be quite volatile, but if you look back at the past 18 months, basically a flat line. Um, so it is, yeah. And look, to me, the story is in the chart, be it Bitcoin, be it Tether, Tesla, whatever it is, the story is in the chart. It is, but just because it's stable doesn't mean that tomorrow Bitfinex and Tether couldn't be insolvent. So as you said, as we've said a million times, short term, absolute short term. Yeah. Um, so if people wanted to, um, get their Bitcoins uh, off an exchange for us, what would they do? Uh, they would contact us. We have got, this is basically what we do, guys. We advocate that you get your Bitcoins off an exchange. We advocate that you learn about Bitcoin, that you hold it for the long term, and you do not keep it on exchange. Um, Bitcoin sovereignty is what we're about. Um, go to bitcoinbasics.help and you will learn how to do that. And if it's too complicated for you, we can help you along the way. Excellent. And a quick plug for our new groups. Uh, if you want to join the discussion or you have a question, and you can also ask a question for this podcast on bitcoinbasics.help. But uh, we have a Telegram group. So if you head across to bitcoinbasics.help slash Telegram, you can join us there. 
if you're a Facebook person, you can head across to bitcoinbasics.help slash Facebook and join us there as well. So um, yourself, your friends, your neighbors, your family, whoever, or if you're the Bitcoin guy or girl in your family, circle of friends, um, and you're sick of answering questions, send them over to us and uh, we'll do that for you. Yep. Sweet. Oh, okay. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.